the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Don't have time to go on SoCal Live today? Leave Scott a voicemail at 213-537-3812. That's 213-537-3812. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I am Scott Furrow, your host. Great to be with you on this Thursday afternoon. I hope that you are having a fantastic afternoon. Maybe by now you have already uh, determined that your your car loan is uh, identifying as a student loan. So make some progress with uh, all of that. Talked about that a little bit yesterday. Just uh, still a big part of the news. But I wanted to talk about something else. You know, there are so many issues that I think we should pay attention to, obviously, that are in election year issues and things. But something I think if we could really focus on one, something I think Christians need to come together and focus on, something I think is not just left and right, uh, like a lot of issues sometimes are. I think that actually when we get to it, we agree. And it's the things that are happening to kids. And it should be enraging to all of us. So I want to talk about uh, a subject. There's many subjects that are that we're dealing with with kids. And maybe some of those subjects, if you're an adult, doesn't matter the same or you think about it differently as an adult. But the kid stuff, things kids are learning in school, philosophies that are being pushed upon little kids, um, it's pretty severe out there. COVID in many ways was a blessing. Um, not a blessing. I know that some of you are saying, well, I lost loved ones and I got really sick and there's you know a lot of obviously a bad part of COVID, and I'm not saying that there's not, but part of the blessing was that it made, I think, a lot of us aware of a great many things. Some people became aware of the fact that they needed to make changes in their life. Some people became aware of uh, other people living in their household and made their families better. A few people did. Uh, I think one of the biggest things is parents became aware of what's happening in the classroom, and parents became aware of a very interesting agenda that is to keep parents out of the classroom. If you remember, there were teachers online who were caught saying things like, we don't want parents to know this. Why? You know, this is a bad part of Zoom. And I remember going to class, you know, I did third grade science and third grade other stuff that I haven't done for a long time on Zoom. I haven't been in a kid's class for a while. And I think it's because we assume that classrooms are just we're learning stuff. And I think that's true in a lot of cases where there's a lot of teaching that goes on that's good. Um, but we also learn that they're the agenda on some things that are on the far left, okay, way beyond liberals, but far left are being taught to the kids. And I want to share a story that came out of uh, Washington State that discusses this a little bit with respect to the uh, new gender-affirming care that is cropping up at children's hospitals all across the country, We've talked about this before, how even here in Los Angeles, a doctor at Los Angeles Children's Hospital was suggesting that girls as young as 12 could have their breasts removed if they want to. And then later, if they changed their mind and wanted to be women again, they could just have uh, new ones put on. And uh, that is insane. I think it's so insane that it's hard to talk about. 
but we have to be aware that this is happening. Can I give you a disturbing prediction? This is coming from me, but I thought about this the other day, and I think, you know, with the abortion uh, topic that's been going on for years in that debate, a lot of the tactic of some people who are on the anti-abortion side would be to go to an abortion clinic or go online or go somewhere and show you know, gruesome pictures of aborted babies and things like that, right? That's a tactic that some people agree with, some people don't. Uh, whatever the case is, it's very shocking to see that, which is kind of the point. I think that the future is going to be pictures of kids who have gone through surgical transitions. And those pictures are out there. I'm not telling you to go to go look. And, and so really don't, but I'm telling you those pictures are out there. And I think that's going to be the next version of that. It is very, very disturbing. Now, if you're older and adult, we're not talking about adults making those kinds of decisions. It's a serious issue. It's different. We're talking about people as young as 12, maybe younger, definitely as young as 15 or 16, who are going through medical procedures that they will have to deal with for life to alter their body physically or chemically. And the idea is that if a child or somebody says, I'm really a boy inside or I'm really a girl inside, that the idea is that we need to start that process of transitioning earlier. And if you could do it before puberty starts, uh, that would be even better. And this is being endorsed by children's hospitals all across the country. In 2007, there was only one that had a pediatric gender-affirming care uh, facility. Now there are over 50. That's how this has changed. And What I'm going to point out is something that is happening in the language and in the culture today in a lot of different issues, I think, that happens, and it's maybe what you would expect, but it's why we have to be diligent in reading what actually is being said, and we need people to verify studies, verify comments that people make on the news. You know, it's, uh, remember Rush Limbaugh used to call the media the drive-by media, And the reason he'd say that is because the journalists stopped investigating. They would just take the story and they would just go with it, regardless of whether or not it's true or false. That happens today. That happens, you know, politically on both sides. There's evidence of that on, uh, you know, from the right and the left of different things. And the problem is, is that when people are making decisions, life decisions based on reports that they're getting from the news or then based on, um, things that they learn from a teacher in school, and they just trust that person. They trust that that person is doing the research. They trust the teacher or the journalist or the pastor or whomever is doing the research. Um, And then they don't check into it. And sometimes, and I think maybe more often than we would like to admit, those people are just copying what anybody else is saying. If you want an interesting exercise, get up early in the morning and grab a copy of the New York Times or go online and look at the New York Times Um, and just look at the headlines and those stories, and then turn on your cable news, all the channels, and you're going to find out that those stories are what are being reported typically, that whoever is writing those stories is driving the news for the whole day. In fact, uh, it's an incredible thing that, and you start to wonder, I start to wonder how many people really are investigating things. Is it just a handful of people in New York and then everybody else just copies it? Is that all that has happened? I think that is very often the truth. I think there are some people, and I'll give you an example here, where people are doing something that is uh, sinister, deliberately 
deluding people, but I think a lot of people are just passing on what they've heard, and they're especially giddy to pass it along if it fits whatever political agenda they have. And that's what regular people do, non-journalists, just individuals. That's what we do in our Facebook and things like that. Christians, we need to not be doing that because we need to be people of truth. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. If you want to join the conversation, you can also email me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. In uh, something that happened in the uh, elections, we haven't talked a lot about the primary elections that are going on. And we'll talk about that a little bit more because we want to really get into especially local things in California, what the propositions mean. There's online gambling. You know, are you going to be supporting the Native Americans? Are you supporting schools? Who are you supporting? Uh, Who are are they telling you you're supporting? Does it really do that? Uh, There's one about adding abortion rights to the Constitution. There's a whole lot of different things. We're going to share some of that because with some help because we want people to be informed on what they're voting on. Um. Other states, you know, haven't paid a lot of attention to it. I think if you are conservative, you should be concerned that you're you're not doing as well as people have been predicted for a long time. Um, so we'll have to see. But one place that – one thing that happened this week on Tuesday night that was pretty significant, and this is where I want to bring this home to us, I think another thing that COVID taught us is that local elections matter, that a lot of the decisions that we – get the most frustrated about a lot of the decisions that we feel like maybe are coming from Washington, but they're not. They're coming from people who are local. They're coming from your county board of supervisors or they're coming from your school board. They're coming from people who are right there locally that how many voters really pay attention to that? I mean, when was the last time that there was really a lot of attention paid to the people who are running for school board. There's a small number of people who are paying attention, but look at those numbers. They, most people don't even vote when they get down to that part of the ballot. And do you even know who any of those people are? Most voters have no idea who those people are. Most voters have no idea who their congressperson is, who they're voting for either. They pick the R or the D or whoever had the prettiest sign uh, that they saw you know, posted up at the supermarket where they go shop. And that's what drives the voting. No voters should be doing that. We should be paying attention and doing diligence to do that. And the reason is, is it affects real people. In this case, it affects kids. In Florida, something amazing that happened was 25 out of 30 school board candidates that were endorsed by the Republican governor, DeSantis, won their elections Tuesday night. And that is pretty amazing. And there are some other organizations who are helping this happen And there's a lot of controversy even within this, but something we've seen is that what's happening in our schools, particularly, and I would say the number one issue in our schools, other than, you know, there's many issues, but a big thing that it's agenda-driven is on sexual ethics that, for some reason, the schools want to teach even the youngest kids. And there are a lot of people moving to say, hey, we're teaching that, but we're not teaching math and English and science and things that kids really need to know in order to get a job, in order to live this life. And, but they're learning all kinds of things. I was reading the story about – it was about the quietly quitting phenomenon. We talked about that a couple of days ago. And one of the lines in that story was a young person said, our generation is the most educated generation ever. And I thought that's laughable actually. Uh, this generation has been in school more than any generation ever, but we're not very well educated. We we take information and we write it down. But I would argue that while there are many people very well educated, 
many people are not. I mean, let's be honest, a bunch of people with eighth grade educations helped put a man on the moon and defeat Hitler. Uh, They did pretty well, but an eighth grade education was something different back then than it is today. And the reason that you're going to school much longer is because you're not learning it. When I went to college, I was one of the first classes where you had to, you couldn't just go right into a a math class, a college-level math class, or college-level English class. I was, in my year, it was the first year that at UC Riverside, anyway, it's where I went to school, they had to provide testing for people and all of that because too many people couldn't read and too many people couldn't do math. And then a lot of people knocked out their college math and English requirements by taking high school level math. See, you're in school longer, but you're not really learning anything more. See what I'm saying? We have to be on board with this. It matters. Uh, and it matters in the school because the what is being taught is dangerous. This is Governor uh, DeSantis earlier this week. Well, I'd have to see kind of what they're talking about. But look, guys, this is not rocket science, okay? You do not have pornographic materials in elementary school or middle school or any. Let's focus on educating these kids. Let's cut out the indoctrination. Let's not worry about all the stuff that's that's inappropriate. Let's teach them to read, to write, to add, subtract, teach them about the country's history, teach them about literature, all the things that are important. He went on that list and many people, candidates, um, and you'll find candidates on both parties who are doing that actually saying, hey, let's focus on education. Let's focus on these things. But the idea that that we even have to talk about pornography in the grade schools, is that shocking to you now? It's shocking to me. It's the idea that that would be anywhere near young kids, whatever your, your direction that you want to take people is crazy. But my theory and my belief is that the reason that's being pushed is because now sexual identity issues is marketable and people are making money. Can I be real serious about this? Do you really believe that any 12-year-old, 14-year-old, 16-year-old ought to be having surgery to change their gender, removing body parts? How much do you think those surgeries cost? Why do you think Children's Hospital in Boston? Why do you think L.A. Children's Hospital? Why do you think Children's Hospitals across the country are promoting this so rapidly and so vigorously? My theory is it's money. If you want to, I think the whole thing is evil. And if you want to take the Bible seriously, you look at it and what does it say? It says the Bible, that Bible says that money is the root of all evil. Money's not evil, but it's at the root of it. You want to know where the evil comes from? Somebody's making money. Somebody is making cash on it. There's controversies. There's a controversy in uh, in many hospitals, in many women's hospitals, um, where some are suggesting that a lot of the cesarean sections are not necessary, that some women are being told in the midst of labor that they need a C-section when they really don't. But the thing is, the hospital makes a whole lot more money if you go ahead and have that surgery. That's a controversial thing. That's a decision that's made kind of on the spur of the moment, those kinds of things. It's a very difficult decision for people. But you're in a situation where if the doctor comes in and says, uh, you may not survive or your child may not survive unless you do this, uh, what are you going to do? Well, you're going to do it most of the time. 
And what if that's a scam? I hope it's not, and I don't think that's been proven anywhere, but there have been some questions about that kind of thing. And you have to wonder, hospitals are broke. Hospitals are businesses. They make money. One of the biggest controversies in the COVID period is hospitals making money with COVID diagnosis, right? If you are if you have COVID, you got extra $25,000 if your patient has COVID. And so it raises a lot of questions about whether or not the COVID crisis really hit as many people as we think. How many people were in the hospital because of COVID or how many of them are in the hospital with COVID? It's different. It's completely different. And the the problem is, I think it's because we paid them extra money if they had COVID. I think it skews the data. You don't know. In Seattle's Children's Hospital, Seattle's Children's Hospital, actually, and in cooperation with uh, the University of Washington, it's actually a University of Washington study in partnership with Seattle's Children's Hospital, claimed that gender-affirming care via puberty blockers leads to positive mental health outcomes for transgender teen patients. Now, the thing is, is that this group of people went on TV and published this data. It was published in the Journal of uh, American Medicine. It was published in many other medical magazines um, as a study that said that puberty blockers for patients aged 13 to 20 who they tracked for a year, said 104 transgender patients aged 13 to 20 who received this gender-affirming care, and they had, a, uh, they had a placebo group as well, that research found that gender-affirming care for transgender and non-binary, I'm quoting here, researchers recently found that gender-affirming care for transgender and non-binary adolescents caused rates of de- depression to plummet. Now, here's the thing. They made these claims. They published them. In online and in other magazines, the claims are false. The claims are made up. The data does not show that. The data doesn't show that at all in their own study. The data, in fact, shows that these things did nothing to change the child's disposition. It did nothing to significantly lower or raise their suicide ideation, their depression, and other things that they track but they continued to lie nationally. And one group after another just took what they had to say without asking any questions, without even looking at the data. Why do they do that? Why would you do this to kids? Why would this be around? You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. If you want to join the conversation, the number is 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. You can also send me an email at SoCalLive at KKLA. Dot com. An investigative reporter named Jesse Signal uh, wrote on his Substack page uh, a lot of detail about this. The idea that the headline is the gender affirming care dramatically reduces depression for transgender teens, teens study finds, uh, when in fact it doesn't. Dramatically reduces, plummet. These are the language. Gender affirming care is life saving care. Uh, the quote from the University of Washington School of Medicine. Uh, One of the study authors said that this care does have a great deal of power in walking back baseline adverse mental health outcomes that the transgender population overwhelmingly experiences at a very young age. And they say this, the results were very dramatic. We had a 56.7 baseline rate of depression and a 43.4 baseline rate of suicidality. But um, if you were on the puberty blockers or gender affirming hormones, Uh, There was a 60% reduction, they say, in depression and 73% reduction in suicidality. 
And if you hear that, you are going to say, that's amazing. This must really work. Maybe this is really good for kids who are who are suffering in gender dysphoria or having you know lots of wonderment about this. But what's surprising, according to this article, is what happened is that the statistics in the actual study showed that these kids who took the puberty blockers or hormones experienced no statistically significant mental health improvement during the study. The claim that they did improve is completely made up. And here's what happened. They made this up. They went into the media. They even made it very political. They went after some Texas clinics that were shut down and saying that they're doing this and they're killing kids and that whole language, right? That's the that's sort of the, the language. We heard that in a congressional hearing a while ago where somebody was just asking if men can have babies and the person said, uh, you are causing uh, harm, you're doing violence to transgender people by your questioning. And that is always the excuse, right, is that if you disagree or you just question this kind of stuff, you're doing violence. And what the study was going to do is sort of lean in that direction to say, oh, uh, see, you are preventing these kids from something that might prevent them from committing suicide. That study is false. This writer wrote the University of Washington and demonstrated to them that it was false, and they actually agreed and stopped promoting the study. However, they did not put any corrections to the study or any of the published posts of their study. And the reason why is twofold. Number one, they got a lot of positive press from it and they didn't want to lose the positive press and they made a lot of money. My friends, let me tell you something. There are people and people do this from wherever they're coming from who don't want truth. They want funding and they want to push their money-making agenda. The Bible tells us this will happen that money is the root of all evil. Why do some places cover up scandals? Usually money has something to do with it. We see it all over the place. You as a a voter, me as a voter, this is happening at local levels. This is why your school board matters. What are they teaching in the schools? I think that a big part of the agenda is it's a new market. And if you can get people predisposed to it, you always go after the young people, right? You want the young people to smoke. You want the young people to drink. You want the young people to have your chewing gum. You want the young people to do whatever. Why? Because then if you get them, then you got a lifetime customer. And there's a legitimate business reason for it, but there's also a, a reason for it that is deception and evil and it kills. And they're going after kids, my friends. They're going after kids, And the stories get more and more horrific as you go. Pay attention to your local elections, your school boards, your county board of supervisors. Who are these people? What do they believe? Go to the debates if they have them. Ask them these questions. Send your questions to their their email addresses on their websites. Find out what people think. This has to end. Our kids' lives actually depend on it. And kids who are going through all of those things, we want to be compassionate and we want to listen, but we don't want to lie just to make money or do surgeries that are, or medical procedures or give drugs that make them lifetime uh, medical patients, especially when the data continues to show that it usually doesn't help. You're listening to Southern California Live. If you want to join the conversation, call 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You can email me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back with SoCal Live as the Thursday edition continues. You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. 
Scott Furrow with you today. The number is 888-528-2557. If you want to join the conversation, 888-528-2557. We are taking a look at some of the issues of the day. And, you know, one of the things I just said in the previous segment is we got to be taking care of our kids and how they're being taught uh, pornography in the, in the schools. I think that's the biggest problem, actually, of all the things people are worried about that are being taught to our kids it is pornography and sexual ethic. And the reason is, is because these aren't just subjects of debate. They are subjects where you make decisions that affect your life, decisions that affect your body, decisions that um, cause so much harm, so much wounding. And you're putting that kind of weight on little kids who really don't understand why they can't have macaroni and cheese for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And you're putting these kinds of things in the mind of kids who just don't need it. And the studies show it's they don't they can't comprehend it anyway. So what's the point? I think it's having another effect. And there is a crisis nationally in that there are not enough teachers. Did you know that that school districts across the country are struggling to find teachers? Why do you think that is? What is the reason that people aren't going into teaching? You have a thought about that? 888-528-2557. Maybe you were a teacher and you got out. Uh, I follow somebody on social media who used to be a teacher. She's young, and she gave it up, got her credentials, taught for a while. You know, and her stuff is pretty bitter. Uh, a lot of it has to do with the interactions that she would have with parents mostly parents who aren't supportive, really, of the education of their kid. They really just want their their kid to have special treatment or they want their kid, you know, to be allowed to to break the rules or when the kids are disobedient, which is a huge thing in in schools today. Uh, We expect our teachers to be disciplinarians. Friend of mine, he moved from teaching a class, regular public school class, and then he moved to one of these online schools. It's public school, online school. And he says he loves it. And I said, why do you love it? He said, because now I get to be an educator. And I thought, well, that's interesting. You weren't an educator when you were in the classroom? And I asked him that. You weren't an, edu- you weren't an educator in the classroom? He says, no, I was a babysitter in the classroom. He goes, you spend almost all of the teaching time dealing with behavioral problems. He goes, online, if you're not behaving, I can just shut you off. We can move you back into the regular classroom school. He goes, everything is about education. He says in, in the group that he's in, it's a charter school, and uh, they have a lot of rules. Like it's not like the uh, the shutdown where you're on Zoom and you could sign in and then turn the camera off and not even sit there and not pay, not pay attention. In his, you have to pay attention. You have to be there. There's rules to follow. Otherwise, you're out. And, you know, I thought that was a pretty interesting thing. And he gets paid less on the online version, I believe. You know, is pay the reason? What's the reason? This is another reason that we should be involved as parents in our, our local schools. And I'll tell you what, if you are, and I'm a parent in this, in this boat, my kids aren't going to public school. We sacrifice almost everything so that they can be in a school that we have to pay for. And it's hard. It's not easy. I'm telling you. And we've been fortunate at times to have grandma scholarship and there's some financial aid out there. There's other things that we've been able to do. I realize not everybody can do that. A lot of you are homeschooling your kids. The numbers just in Los Angeles County, Altogether, what, I think 30,000 kids are missing from the rolls this year. And LA Unified is asking, where are they? 
Well, some of them are in Florida. They moved. But some of them just aren't coming back. It is, it's, it is a disgrace, really. And when we are critical about schools in the system, one thing I think is important is to acknowledge that there's a lot of great teachers in our classrooms. My opinion is teachers need to have a lot more control over their curriculums and how they teach. And I recognize there are some teachers who probably shouldn't be teaching, but uh, there's a lot of really great teachers and great educators out there who, for various reasons, feel like they can't educate and they're out. Uh, The teacher shortage, most people are reporting that it's driven by burnout, low pay, ever-increasing demands to be a teacher. And uh, it's happening everywhere, someplace pretty, pretty fast. States are doing interesting things to try to get teachers. In Iowa, in Des Moines Public Schools, they're offering $50,000 incentives to teachers and uh, to uh, to $50,000 incentive to teachers, nurses, and administrators who are nearing retirement to stay with the district just for one year. That's amazing. 50, you get an extra 50000 bonus to not retire this year, but retire next year. That's a, that's a huge incentive. You know, that's... How would you turn that down? You got to be, you know, pretty well off in your retirement to feel like you can turn down that extra bonus, or you got to be so burnt out by it you just say, "Gosh, I just can't." That's what I would think. Recipients have to be sixty years old by June thirtieth next year and have a minimum of fifteen years of some qualifications to do that. Fifty-eight people have taken that offer so far. Dallas Independent School District set aside fifty-one million dollars for salary increases and fifty-two million for retention bonuses for 2022-2023 this school year. Uh, That's amazing. Um, Florida Department of Education announced that it would start issuing temporary teaching certificates to veterans who have not yet earned their bachelor's degree starting July 1st, just past July 1st. So if you don't even have your bachelor's degree, you get, but you're a veteran, you get to teach. Uh, That's how desperate they are for teachers. This is happening everywhere. This, and, and what I was going to say about those of us who are in public schools or, or private schools, I mean, or homeschooling, however you're doing it, I don't think that means that we abandon the public school system that's in our community just because our kids aren't in it. Because something that we need to do, I believe we need to do as believers, is we've got to stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves, not just stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves if they happen to be in our our, you know, livable world. I think that we as believers need to be supporting our local school. Does your church do that? Some of the greatest mission work that you can do locally is with your local public school. Let me tell you something. The the idea of the separation of church and state, whatever that wall is, uh, that wall from the public school perspective falls down very quickly when your church is helping that school. I've been in ministries where, at our church where we go to the public school and we serve lunch to the staff, all the teachers. We go and we provide school supplies to teachers who are otherwise forced to buy their own school supplies, which is ridiculous. There are lots of church plants, and one of the great things that happens with church plants when they're in a school, not only are they providing rent to that school that probably needs it, but the best church plants out there take care of that school. They paint over graffiti. They fix things that are broken. They take care of it. And you know what happens is even if the school has an administration that is somewhat hostile to to faith or religion or Christianity, 
you know, when you're when you're painting some principal's gymnasium and you're fixing the lockers and you're doing some yard work and you're fixing some stuff around the school that never gets fixed because you don't have the money, all of a sudden you you look away from whatever it is that is making you feel like, oh, I don't know if I should have this church here or these Christian people. There are some churches that do amazing things that way. And then what happens is you have a relationship. Then you get a faith club. You know, most public schools, they're allowed to have a faith club. It just has to be student-driven, and it has to be there has to be a faculty member who signs off on it. Surely the public school in your neighborhood has a faculty member who loves Jesus. And surely there are Christian students at your church that go to that school. And once that happens, you can bring in pastors, you can bring in youth organizations, you can bring in, you can have events for the school, you can have a Bible club. It's amazing. All of that is legal in the public school. You know, and if you're not connected, if you're out and you got your kids out, that's fine. I think that's a good decision if you can do it. But I think we still need to be engaged with what's happening in our schools. Our church together should do that because it matters greatly. This is the next, you know, the next generation. These are the people who are going to make decisions in the future. These are the people who are growing up with no moral compass at all typically not from parents, not they're not in church at all, and uh, the school isn't giving them one. The, the school is giving them a moral compass that really is just a uh, spinning wheel. You can just spin it around and go whichever direction you want. And uh, that will cause harm. And I think that the kids know that. They understand that certain directions are just not right. The problem is, is that there's no one to help them understand which direction is right. Have you done this? Do you have a story of being involved in your local public school, something that you've done at your church or in a ministry that you're a part of or you've really helped your local public school, let me hear about it, 888-528-2557. If you want to join our conversation, that number is 888-528-2557. I think these are important, important times. If I can encourage you in this election cycle to pay attention to what's happening in your schools and who to vote for on the school boards, Pay attention to what's happening at your school and see if there's a way to help, even if you're disengaged because your kids aren't there, or maybe your kids have graduated. Maybe you say, oh, I made it through that period of time. There are kids who are desperate for help. You know, the studies show that so many kids are desperate actually just to have adult mentors, just somebody in their life who's older than them who can point them in a direction. We have the right direction. We have Jesus Christ. He's the way. He's the way. How do I, which direction should I go? Jesus Christ. He's the way. You know that uh, Disney program with the, uh, what was that called? Uh, the Boba, not Boba Fett. That one was the lame one. What was the other one? Uh, the Mandalorian. All right. The Mandalorian, that was the statement, right? This is the way. You know, everybody liked that statement. You know, Christians, you, that's a, the Mandalorian's fantasy. We have Jesus. This is the way. He is the way. You have that message to give. 888-528-2557. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. You can call it 888-528-2557. I'll be back as Southern California Live Thursday edition continues. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Great to be with you today. You can call in. The number is 888-528-2557 if you want to join the conversation, 888-528-2557. We've been talking about some ways to improve schools and being involved in school. A woman in New York is 
outraged because her daughter discovered that the algebra, eighth grade algebra exam in New York City schools, um, all of the answers to the multiple choice questions are C. And her daughter put C for without any knowledge. She just didn't really study and didn't know what to do. So put C's for all the answer and passed the class. <clears throat> I once in a astronomy class, not astrology, astronomy class in college. Yes, college. You see, uh, I couldn't figure out anything. You know, in, in the class, the lecture was all about the earth going around the sun. But there was all this math and complicated, amazing stuff that I had no idea how to do on the exam. And uh, so I just drew constellations in the uh, bubbles, you know, a little scan thing that you do. I drew I drew, drew Orion's belt and the Big Dipper and all of those and uh, turned in my test. I got a 48 uh, percent, you know, and in that class, it was a B. Everything was curved because everybody just did miserably. Uh, it was like the throw. I was terrified, though. I thought I failed a, a college course and it was just horrible. And, uh, I, you know, I figure, you know, if you can draw constellations and get, uh, you know, half right just about, uh, that's pretty, uh, pretty lucky, isn't it? 888-528-2557 is the number. Uh, Georgia and Downey, welcome to Southern California Live. Can you hear me, Georgia? Is it Georgia? I think you mean Dora. You're talking oh, Dora. to Dora. Hi, Dora. Hi, Dora. Hi, Dora. Hi. <laughs> What I want to talk to you about is I wish with all my heart and soul they hadn't have taken the Pledge of Allegiance out of school. Mm. I think that brought a lot of honor to the teachers and would have kept them in as well as a prayer that would apply to all religions. I don't know. I just think that that would have brought more teachers in and kept them there. That's my opinion. You know, I think, uh, you know, I wonder if it's part of a bunch of things that would have kept people there. You know what I mean? Like there's a certain decorum if you start your day with that calms everybody down, right? There's there's probably, you know, there's there's a reason for it, you know, to pledge allegiance to the country. But there's probably a a real reason for it, which is to calm everybody down. Does that make sense? Uh Uh-huh. You know, I'll bet, yeah. I'll bet you might have a point there, uh, Dora. Thank you for calling Southern California Live. I think that there's there's definitely um, a correlation between the time we took prayer out of schools, God out of schools in general, and a lot of the decline that we have. Um, you can take that back to what the early 1970s, late 60s when that started to happen. And when did things start to get bad? Well, that's about the same time. But I think it's it's not simply because of prayer it's because the purpose of education started to change in so many different ways. And maybe taking the Pledge of Allegiance out um, is is one of those things that it, it isn't just that your Pledge of Allegiance to the country, which maybe somebody felt was offensive, so they're, they're not doing it, but it also probably pre- you know, prepared kids for their day. You know, I've always I wondered for a long time why do you got to learn all the state capitals? My kids are learning that now. Like why my son had to learn not just all the state capitals, he had to learn I only had to learn states and state capitals. That was the extent of it. He had to learn a global map every country in the world and the country's capital. And they gave him a whole year to do it, right? So he started at the beginning of seventh grade, and they said at the end of the year, in June, you're going to have to have all this memorized. So they kind of worked on it through the year, and so most of the kids do pretty well with that. And I thought, I wish I knew that now. When I was in the seventh grade, I would have thought it was ridiculous, but I wish I understood. I wish I knew that now. But a big part of the reason for that is not because you should know all the state capitals. You should, maybe, but it's not really 
the reason. The reason is it develops your brain. It develops your ability to learn, your ability to memorize. You, it strengthens your, your thinking, your skills in so many ways. Lots of things that are in education are about those things, maybe more so than just what's on the surface. Um, and uh, I looked it up here. I can't really find when. I don't know if it's even a rule. It probably is a rule now whenever the Pledge of Allegiance stopped. I think people probably just complained and they stopped um, at some point. And that's what happened. There was a ruling about prayer. And uh, the prayer that got outlawed was just something like, uh, you know, uh, God bless us for our day. Amen. It was a very, very simple sort of uh, non-generic or just generic um, ecumenical prayer that caused all that controversy, too. Um, A lot of those things have to do with uh, kids' ability to behave. You know, something that schools did that... um, worked a little bit is when schools are required to wear uniforms. Some schools do that. And that actually has a pretty significant impact on behavior. And it impacts people's uh, going back and forth because uh, I guess it you, know, you don't feel bad because somebody's got better clothes than you have. Um, there is a school district in Missouri that is bringing back the paddle. No joke. They're bringing back the paddle. They're going to start swatting students. Yeah, Missouri School District revives paddling uh, and uh, corporal punishment, to, to put a name on it. That's been gone a long time. We had it. I think I've told this story before, but at my school growing up, I don't know. They got rid of it at some point, I think, while I was there, or maybe I just shaped up. See, it worked. Um, but we had a – we had – there were two paddles. There was – a big wood one that was solid wood, and then a big wood one that was a paddle that had holes in it. And you get to choose which paddle you wanted. And everybody thought that the one with holes in it would be better because it wasn't as heavy as the other one. But you're wrong. I think it's because the the one with holes in it had didn't have as much wind resistance, so it felt worse when it hit you. And, uh, you know, it was a, it was a part of uh, the disciplinary pr- process, at least I would say, into the time I was fifth grade, you know, sometime in the late mid eighties. Uh, and, uh, then it, it went away and I don't really know. I don't know if my parents probably would know what happened. Anyway, it's coming back to school district in Missouri and parents showed up to uh, back to school day and they got a memo and the memo said, would you sign off on us, uh, paddling your kid if they, they decide not to, to behave. And, uh, they said we're doing it because parents have asked for it, that parents have said, why can't you paddle my student? And we're like, well, we can't paddle your student. Our policy doesn't support that. And there's been conversations with parents for a long time, and the parents looked into it, and uh, they are trying to bring it back. Would you support that for your kid? Do you uh, think that the uh, school should paddle them? It's a little uh, tricky, right, because the the policy says uh, that they can use the use of physical force as a method of correcting student behavior is allowed. Parents were handled a form. Um, and what it says is that uh, the staff members will employ reasonable physical force without a chance of bodily injury or harm. Uh, in the presence of a witness, uh, that's how they'll do it. There was no witnesses when I was getting paddled, though. Nobody else. The witnesses... <laughs> Not from me, but there was one kid. It was a friend of mine. I'm not going to mention his name. Maybe he's listening. Uh, We didn't need a witness because he would just scream and yell. And it was kind of an act. But he would be 
in the next room so you knew when he was getting paddled because it would be this, and we would all giggle because, you know, it didn't feel good, but he was exaggerating. We all we all knew that, and he was in trouble a lot. So there was this great moment where I was in the fourth grade, and through the wall you would hear <laughs> hear this kid screaming. And uh, even does that horrify you that that stuff? If you're younger, do you, can you even believe that that was part of school? That was uh, that's what we we did. Well, it's coming back. Uh, I think uh, I don't know how long they're going to make it. Somebody's going to sue, and uh, Supremes eventually probably throw it out. I don't know, but parents they they want it. Um, in fact, there's a case, a 1977 Supreme Court decision, Ingram versus Wright, deemed corporal punishment at public schools to be constitutional, and they left it up to the states, okay, which is what they're supposed to do, which we've learned a lot about this year. And uh, I'm, I'm surprised at this. Apparently, it's still legal in public schools across 19 states. I had no idea. I thought it was gone everywhere. Uh, 19 states, including Missouri, and in almost all states, except for New Jersey and Iowa, it's allowed in private schools. So, in fact, so I guess in, in California, maybe there's still, uh, maybe Mr. Uh, Mr. Paragoy was his name, is still whacking some kids around in my old grade school uh, with that. Uh, <laughs> you know, everybody was pretty well behaved, though. You know, you get that once or twice, you're done with whatever it was that you were doing. Uh, something about uh, do not spare the rod. And spoil your child, the scripture says. It will not kill them. Nobody died uh, in my school from that, uh, as far as I know. I suppose they wouldn't let everybody know, but no, nobody died. You're listening to Southern California Live. We're on every day, Monday through Friday, from 3 to 5, right here on this station. And we talk about the issues of the day when we come together, and we take your phone calls. 888-528-2557 is the number. And uh, when we come back after the break here in a minute, uh, we'll we'll talk about your stuff. You know, are you owned by your stuff? And we'll talk about a few things in the news. Um, apparently, there is a redacted affidavit from that uh, raid on the uh, Trump compound, um, which we're going to get either today. Maybe it'll happen during the show. Uh, I can tell you what it says already. Just a lot of is and 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 Donald and Trump and FBI and everything else is blacked out, uh, probably. Uh, maybe not. Maybe it'll show something. But uh, the judge is allowing some redacted version of that coming out, and uh, we'll see what that says. Uh, we'll know for sure. I think tomorrow it's supposed to come out by noon tomorrow. Uh, but if it comes out during this show, we'll we'll touch on it when we get there. But otherwise, we'll just keep dealing with the the news of the day. You're listening to Southern California Live. You can go to your radio station website, kkla.com, kprz.com, to get the podcast. Just look for SoCal Live. You can type in the keyword SoCal Live. I think you can type in the keyword Scott, and you'll find our program and lots of different ways to connect there. I will be back with you in just a few minutes. I'm Scott Furrow. This is SoCal Live as the Thursday edition continues. Stay tuned. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.